0: Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories.
1: Hollow like a seashell swept onto the shore. Hollow like a story waiting to unfold.
2: Harlan by Lucy Catherine your
0: ears the first language was the one the goddess taught us when she made the world to carry all the ancient wisdom the language of creation she gave it to every mountain every hill every rock every bend in every river The rocks told the soil and the soil told the trees. The animals and birds learnt from them and from one another. In this way, the people came to understand too. Then they could speak with the trees of the forest, the birds of the air, the fish in the lake.
3: Chasing down a hare is not an activity I would recommend. The hare is an extremely fast and agile creature.
0: There came upon the world a great flood. What had once been connected was thrust apart by the inrushing waters. The people suddenly found they were separated from one another by inhospitable seas. In time, they began to forget the first language. Each group developed their own unique way of speaking, living their lives as they did, isolated on the lonely hilltops of the newly formed islands.
3: By contrast, I am slow, clumsy and... Slightly overweight, the grounds that surround the manor house seem endless.
0: Everywhere, the people spoke less and less to the forests or the mountains, preferring to keep company only with others the same as themselves. The fish in the lake became silent. The crow and the deer and the hare tried to make their voices heard, but the people could make no sense of what they said. This is the time we call The Great Forgetting.
3: I don't know what made me chase the hare. A bit disoriented and deep in the woods as I am now, I feel Sarah must be close. I hear her more clearly than ever in my head.
0: After the great forgetting, we will enter the time we call the twilight. And after the twilight will come the end. Sarah!
3: I have no idea how long it's been since I struck out across the field. It must have been hours ago. The moon is high in the sky now. It's light, splashing blue across the tops of the trees. I think I could be dying. I am in need of medical attention. At the very least, I could use a lung transplant. Midnight. Uh, There you are. Finally, you put in an appearance a relief to see my crow perched on the branch of a tree on the far side of a small clearing. Perhaps I won't die alone in the wilderness after all. Do you know what a stun prod is? Without warning, I feel a sharp object pressed into my back. Well, I actually saw one in action yesterday. A kind and thoughtful dog was killed as a result. The setting I've
2: got this on will not be enough to kill you, but it would singe most of your body hair. Turn around slowly. Why are you chasing me? I wasn't chasing you. You were in the garden of that massive house and you started running towards me.
3: I saw a hare. I I thought... What did you say? There was a hare in the gateway, on its hind legs, looking straight at me. I thought... Look, this is going to sound odd. I I appreciate that, but I I thought it might be someone I knew. Who? A A woman called Sarah. I associate the hare with her, I suppose. Who is this Sarah. What does she want with me? You know her as well. Who who are you? Are you police? Undercover police?
2: Call me anything you want, but say I'm police again and I'll turn the dial on this thing up to cremation
3: level. Well, you're wielding a stun prop. That's a police weapon. It's pretty obvious. All cops are bastards. And saying things like that is lesson one on the undercover police training programme.
2: Okay, that's it. I'm just going to blast you with this.
3: Hey, 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 hey. Look, we got off to a bad start. That's obvious. But let's... Rewind, try and be a bit more civilized. Okay? Okay. Hi, I'm Dan. Nice to meet you. Kesha. Are you, uh,
2: cold, Keshia? Freezing.
3: We could build a fire.
2: Or go somewhere warm.
3: Uh, uh, I'm not really able to do that. There are people looking for me. Who? The authorities. Really? I'm actually on the run.
2: (sighs) All right. Let's make a fire.
3: Do you want to stop pointing that thing at me now?
2: Not really. But maybe I
0: will.
3: (sighs) It's December, close to the solstice, so the night is long. Under a clear sky, the temperature has dropped, it must be below zero. Keshe knows what she's doing when it comes to building a fire and the lack of rain means everything's still very dry. By the time I've collected an armful of likely-looking logs, she already has a pile of sticks and leaves burning fiercely.
2: No, don't put them on yet. Just leave them to the side. Their base needs to get established. How do you get it going so quickly? On the low setting, the stun prod works really well as a fire starter. you got a licence for that thing. It's an untraceable import from the US.
3: Are you some sort of vigilante?
2: (laughs) I've been living at the Milford Haven camp for over two years. Things can get quite unruly there. It's important to have access to personal protection. I thought that place was closed down. (laughs) Don't believe everything you hear in the news. Weren't all the protesters rounded up and put in prison? Everyone who gets involved in active resistance goes to prison at some point. It's an occupational hazard. Have you been at all? You make it sound like a holiday resort.
3: I didn't mean to. I'm sure it's not a nice place to be. I only asked because I could be inside myself before long. You're on the run? Exactly.
2: I expect you're innocent, though. Obviously. What are they trying to frame you for? A murder. You killed someone? No. No, no, no. It's, 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 It's nothing to do with me. Okay. Okay. I believe you. But be warned, I'm not to be messed with. Don't try and kill me, because I will definitely
3: kill you first. there's there's not going to be any killing. Civilised, remember?
2: This is quite weird. It is, isn't it? You said you saw a hare?
3: Uh, In the gateway. It was me standing in the gateway. If you say so. Uh, Why did you run?
2: Because some weird bloke started coming at me. What were you doing there in the first place? I don't know. A few nights ago, I had a dream. I was tied to a stake with a great pile of branches all round my feet, waiting to be burned. Next night, I had the same dream again.
0: Early evening. Bright, sharp air. In the shade of a great old tree... The witch elm stands alone in a clearing.
3: That sounds terrifying.
2: <laughs> I didn't feel afraid.
0: The pyre is made of hawthorn, rowan, birch, and oak, but mostly it is hazel. They burn witches on hazel wood.
2: I wasn't alone. There were others with me, and I could hear them whispering a sort of mantra. Care. God send
0: Flames leap up and scorch the wizened trunk of the witch elm. Leaves shrivel and die. The pain is intense. They put a torch
2: to the pyre and that's when I saw a hare. Through the flames, standing on hind legs, looking straight into my eyes like it was trying to speak to me. What did he
3: say?
0: I am the hare witch, Sarah Owd. One of the four. The period of waiting is over. Now is the time.
3: You heard the name Sarah out in your dream?
2: Quite clearly. And she kept repeating that phrase, hair, hair, God send thee care.
3: It's a spell for protection.
2: Like a magic spell.
3: What made you come here to Harland?
2: After the dream I was drawn here, compelled somehow. I had to be here. I could just feel it. I I had to get inside that mansion house. I don't know why. I I couldn't do it anyway. Security around that place is next level.
3: I know Sarah. Not knew her. She was called Sarah Ward then.
2: You're saying I dreamed a real person? She can get in your head.
3: I hear her all the time. Telling me stories about the beginnings of the world and the end.
2: You're beginning to make me think I should have shot you. Hey.
3: This is a personal question, but have you lost anyone recently? What do you mean? Has a, a relative of yours passed away, uh, specifically a, a female?
2: I spoke to both my sisters yesterday. They're fine.
3: Your mum, grandmother...
2: They died years ago. Why?
3: <sighs> Had you heard of the Hare Witches before the dream? No. What's your connection with Harland? You must have one. You haven't arrived here by coincidence.
2: I only knew the name of the place because of my great-aunt. Who's she? Cousin of my mum's. I've never actually met her, but my mum used to visit her here in hospital.
3: She was in Harland Hospital?
2: She still is, as far as I know. What's wrong with her? Uh, I can't remember. There's some kind of chronic genetic thing. Like a sleeping sickness basically a zombie.
3: Do you know her name?
2: Great-Auntie May.
3: <sighs> May Tucker.
2: How would you know that?
3: You've never been to visit her? No. I think maybe it's time that you did.
1: Hello, Sadie Shikri. It's six in the morning. This had better not be a sales call. I am a police officer. I have access to call tracing software and I will hunt you down.
3: Hello, dear Shagri. Dan? We need to meet.
1: You, you shouldn't be calling me.
3: It, it's a burner phone. It belongs to a friend. It's quite safe.
1: What have you got for me?
3: We have to meet. I need your help. Somewhere we won't be recorded.
1: You know where.
2: This is Radio Harland. And
1: Nick has the news
3: after this. Jaggers is a dingy, grim-looking cafe on a main road out of town towards the police station. It's one of the few places in Harland that never seems to change. Going inside is like stepping through a portal to another time. A time before autonomous serving modules and pre-order menu apps and 360 24-7 surveillance systems. Radio Harland is always on the speakers and... The same reliably mediocre coffee is always in the machine.
1: Here we go. Two cappuccinos. Thank you. Oh, your friend seems to have forgotten her manners.
3: Oh, uh, well, she doesn't speak to the police.
1: She doesn't get a bloody coffee then. Tell her I said thank you. Uh, she said thank you. Happy now? You realise I'm taking a massive risk meeting you here. This had better be good. Uh, Oh, could you express your disapproval a bit more loudly? I don't think the guy at the counter quite got that. Should have stuck to water. Oh, was that addressed to me? Tell her I was talking to myself. Uh,
3: no, it wasn't addressed to you. Rude. Who the hell is she? This is. Uh, uh, well, she wants to remain anonymous as far as you're concerned. Um, so we're just gonna call her. Kay.
1: Does her real name begin with
3: a K? Oh, I'm not authorised to tell you that. So it does. Thanks. Kay has been living at the Milford Haven camp in Wales as a full-time dissident, which is why she has a deeply ingrained distrust of law enforcement.
1: Oh, with the information you've given me so far, my guess is that I could have her identified before you finish your next sentence. What do you actually want?
3: Lately, kay has been having strange dreams. Have you mistaken me for a therapist? She saw Sarah... In those dreams. Heard her name. Ended up coming here feeling compelled like she had to be in Harland.
1: Wait, wait a minute. She dreamt Sarah. Our oh, Sarah. Our oh, Sarah. How do you know her? Hey? Special K, I'm asking you a question. Tell her I'd never heard of her before.
3: She'd never oh, heard of her. Grow
1: up and talk to me like an adult. I don't care about what you have or haven't done at Milford Haven. I just want to find out what happened to my friend. Understood? Well? All right. You dreamt Sarah, but you've never met her? Correct. Never heard of her? Why would I? In the news, when she disappeared, maybe? I don't watch the news. It's mostly misinformation. So what's the connection?
3: Kay has a relative in Harland Hospital. She's been there for years in the department run by Jim Okafor. All right.
1: Now you've got my attention.
3: Sadie goes back to the station to see what she can discover about Keshia's aunt by accessing hospital records. She promises to update us as soon as she can. Jaggers seems about as safe a place as any for us to hang out and wait. So here we are, sitting right in the corner on the far side, both with our backs to the door. I knew something wasn't right with the hospital, with that doctor. She should have never trusted him. Although I shouldn't speak ill of the dead. He's dead? They found his body a couple of days ago. Sarah had a bit of a thing with him. I I, I tried to warn her, told her it was a mistake. You sound jealous. All I did was advise her to tread carefully, Okay, It pays to be cautious.
2: I hate that. Steady now. Wait and see. That's how we've ended up here. Caution equals inaction. It it basically means tolerating the status quo. I didn't want to see her get hurt. She wasn't your girlfriend, was she?
3: No, but we had a connection.
2: Perhaps she wanted to smash things to pieces so she could put them back together in a better way. That's not
3: really any of your business.
2: You're afraid of radical change. Don't be embarrassed. Most people are. I've spent over two years at Milford Haven, six months in prison, Everyone knows continuing to import and burn the fossil fuels that come in there is suicidal, but they keep doing it. Oh, consumption's down massively compared to how it was a few decades ago. Mm, oh, I'm dubious about that. There's so much money to be made. Profit margins are huge. No corporation is going to want to change a system that continues to make their shareholders wealthy beyond imagination. That's why they want us to be cautious, to wait and see so they can be sure nothing is ever going to change. It's not all
3: doom and gloom, is it?
2: Optimism is a clear indicator of insanity. (laughs) You need to meet my dad. We are completely screwed. We're just too cowardly and dishonest to acknowledge that. Bleak assessment. We're screwed in every way. Ecologically, environmentally, the climate. When you know the reality, the numbers, the science, and you see everyone carrying on regardless... It's like being a doctor who knows a patient is doing things that will kill him for sure in no time. But when you try telling him, the patient just looks back at you, blankly, saying, Problem? What problem? It's a very lonely place to be. What's the point of
3: going on if you think there's no hope? There is one hope. What's that?
2: Blow up the world and start all over again.
3: Hello,
1: Dr Okafor's research was the study of a sort of sleeping sickness. Uh, It's described as something akin to resignation syndrome in the notes. The programme was exploring if there was a particular gene mutation that might explain a cluster of cases identified here in Harland. It it predates Dr Okafor by a long time. He'd been heading it up for nearly three years, but it was actually founded in 2023.
3: Is the programme still
1: active? Yes.
3: Who's in charge now?
1: a Dr Paulina Mendez
3: we should go there try and meet her we have to get into that department
1: no Dan, you can't do that you're on the run
3: where's the last place anyone would look for a fugitive in the company of a police officer we're coming
1: <sighs> meet me in the hospital car park in an hour and keep a low profile
3: it takes a while to get to Harland Hospital keeping to back streets and cut throughs Sadie's already waiting when we get there in front of the bronze sculpture of the open hand with two spiraling strings of copper shooting upwards from the palm The huge glass fronted atrium lies ahead of us. I'm coming in
1: with you Your biosignature will be picked up as soon as they scan for sign-in Stay here and keep watch. Call on the burner if it looks like we've triggered an alert of any kind I'll broadcast everything to you from my body cam. Special K, you come with me. Be ready to create a distraction if necessary Just for the record... This is not me cooperating with police. Justify it to yourself, however you will. Follow me 20 seconds after I set off. Track close behind me through any automatic doors. Got it? Okay. Start counting. Take this. uh, Keep it hidden. I'll get it back off you when you're done. uh, uh, No, I'm not comfortable holding an illegally
2: imported weapon. If anyone asks where you got it, don't mention my name. 20. Uh, What? Counting in my head. Uh,
3: On the burner phone, I watch the feed from Sadie's body cam as she enters the hospital foyer. It's busy with medics, nurses and visitors crisscrossing between the coffee bar, fast food outlets and the self-service convenience stores. Apart from the medical uniforms, this could easily be the departure lounge of a small regional airport.
1: Hi, how are you? Can we skip the formalities of rapport building, please? Skipping intro chat. Please identify yourself. I'm Detective Sergeant Sadie Shukri of Harlem Police. How can we be of assistance? I'd like to see Dr Paulina Mendez. Dr Mendez is not in today. When will she be in? Dr Mendez has a flexible schedule and mainly works remotely. If this is a police matter, we suggest you contact her at home. Where does she live? We are not permitted to disclose this information. Does she have an office here? Yes. Floor 2, room E23. Oh, thanks. Would you like to rate this interaction? Oh, sure. Hook up to my phone. Speak now to enter your rating. It was life-affirming. Thank you for the
2: rating. We appreciate your feedback.
3: Why do reception bots always refer to themselves in the plural? It's irritating that machines have evolved to become so pompous. I watch as Sadie takes a lift to the second floor, anxious for a moment that Keshia won't make the door, but she slips in just before they close. Going
1: up. Cutting it fine. Aren't we being recorded? I'm broadcasting a localised jamming signal. That was quite a review. Life-affirming? It pays to give positive feedback using unconventional language. It registers higher in the algorithm. Enough comments like that will eventually result in me getting a complimentary snack from the station vending machine.
2: Second
3: floor. It's a relief to see that the corridor they emerge onto is deserted. At the end, there is a point beyond which no public access is permitted. The sign on the wall indicates that offices E10 to 30 are through these doors.
1: Dead end. Not necessarily. What are you doing? There's this programme called Ultra Bump, available to police and security services only. It can override most digital locks and basically get you in anywhere. Like a bump key on a conventional lock. It's only supposed to work in conjunction with Warrant, but there's always a clever dick somewhere willing to create a shortcut. Access permitted. That's not legal. Possibly not, but in this case it's necessary.
3: I watch them track along the corridor until they reach office E23. No nameplate on the door.
1: Nobody home. Locked. Let's see what Ultra Bump can do.
3: Suddenly a vehicle screams past me, distracting me from watching the food before screeching to a halt in front of the hospital entrance. I recognise the vehicle and the man driving it. Sadie? What is it, Dan? Someone's just arrived here. They're going inside. It's my dad. Your dad? I think he's looking for Kesia. I'm going after him. You can't do that, Dan. I don't know why this triggers such a sense of panic and foreboding in me. I am not acting rationally. As I run across the foyer in pursuit of my dad, I instinctively pull out the stump pod, causing people to scatter before me in fear. Get out of my way! Please do not be alarmed. This is a police emergency. Everything is under control! Up the stairs, along the corridor to the point of no public admittance, the security doors hang limp and forlorn, having been forced open. Reach office E23. Dad is already inside the room. Opposite him, Keshia, sheltering behind Sadie. Dad! Jesus! Jesus. Son, you scared the life out of me. What are you doing here? I was just explaining to the officer. Mr Fordingbridge has requested a meeting with this woman and I'm here to facilitate that.
2: I'm not going anywhere with you.
3: There is no way, Dad. It's not up to you, Dan. Just come with me. And hear what he has to say. No, you heard. It's very insistent
1: I shouldn't return empty-handed. If you try to take this person with you against her will, I'll be arresting you for harassment, false imprisonment and assault. That would be a serious mistake. Dad, no!
3: He steps towards them. Something menacing in his approach.
1: Stay away from me.
3: Moving more quickly than seems possible, Dad suddenly (gasps) punches Sadie in the solar plexus. She staggers for a moment disoriented and then collapses to the floor What have you done? You've killed her There was non-lethal force applied to a pressure point She will recover from the blow within 10 to 15 minutes Keshia Come with me He grabs her by the arm and drags her towards the door I step in front of it and block their way Don't make me hurt you, son It's not worth it, Dan I want to know what's going on here Mr Fordingbridge said it, you have a connection with them New one has emerged. You found her, you did well. Now your work is done. Fordingbridge is insane. You're insane. You said yourself the simplest solution would be to just kill them. How do I know you won't do exactly that? This is your last warning. Get out of my way. Suddenly there's a flash of bright white light accompanied by a loud bang. Without really being aware I was doing it, I have fired the stun prod. Dad shudders and collapses forwards onto the ground. The air fills with the smell of burning. Dad? Dad? Uh, you Are right. right? Uh, I'm going to put you in the recovery position, OK, Dad? Help me, will you?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. Pull him this way. I'm sure he'll be OK. Oh, I think I've killed him. No, he was only on a very low setting. Yes, it's a dodgy import. What if it was
3: faulty? Oh, my
2: God! Oh, be quiet. Let me listen.
3: Is he breathing? Oh,
2: something's not right. Yeah, that smell. Electrical.
3: Isn't that coming from the stump rod? <laughs> She pushes him onto his back. He is completely motionless. His eyes are closed. She opens his shirt. The point in the middle of his chest where the bolt of current from the stump rod hit him is clear. An oily white liquid seeps through the seared skin. Oh. W- w- what's that? That's not Blood. Keshia lifts up one of his eyelids. The pupil is gone. The eye seems to have rotated upwards in the socket so only the white is visible. He's dead, isn't he?
2: I've seen this before. Uh, lift up his head for me.
3: When I do so, she begins working her way down the back of his neck, searching for something. What are you doing? What are you looking for? Uh, yeah, this. Her fingers prize apart a seam in my dad's neck. As it opens, I glimpse the internal workings. Wiring pipework, cables.
2: He's not dead.
3: What is this?
2: He can't be dead. Done. Because he was never alive.
3: Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.